In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We will continue our Bible study from Psalm 119. This psalm actually is the longest chapter and longest psalm in the scripture. It is composed of 22 sections, and each section actually starts with a letter from the Hebrew alphabet. And there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. That's why it's 22 sections. Each section has eight verses. Each verse starts with the same letter. For example, section one starts with A. So the eight verses, each verse starts with the letter A. Section two, letter B. Of course, Hebrew alphabet, not English. Each verse of the eight verses starts with the letter B, and so on. Also, this psalm is about the Word of God. One of the most beautiful psalms to understand how the Word of God influences our life and why God gave us the commandment, why God gave us His Word. And it is amazing that almost, almost in every single verse, there is reference to the Word of God. For example, verse 25, Revive me according to your word. 26, Teach me your statutes. These are synonymous. 27, Make me understand the way of your precepts. 28, Strengthen me according to your word. 29, Grant me your law graciously. 30. Your judgments I have laid before me. Etc. And also these different names for the word of God, it gives you a description what the word of God is. Because this psalm, as I told you, one of the most beautiful psalms, that's why we pray it every night in the midnight hour. In the first watch of the midnight hour, we pray this psalm, Psalm 119. We finished three sections, so three by eight, 24 verses. So now we're going to start from verse 25, which is the beginning of the fourth section. In section three, he spoke about how he was almost dead because of his enemies. You know, David, his life was not easy. King Saul chased him almost all his life. Even after he became the king, Absalom, his son, wanted to take the kingdom from his father and also was chasing him. In the third section, he said, Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live. If you don't deal bountifully with me, I cannot live. And then he spoke about how he felt a stranger in earth because of the persecution. How the proud, the cursed, they actually persecuted David. And he told him, remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimony. 
verse 23, princes also sit and speak against me. Princes like Saul, Absalom, Achitophel, all these, even the counselors, they betrayed him like Achitophel, and he made a counsel against David. So he reached a very low state. That's why he starts uh, section 4, verse 25. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. So the psalmist used a strong image to say that he felt near death in his current crisis. He said, my soul clings to the dust. Dust was the place of death. When they bury somebody, a dead man, they put him in the dust. The place of mourning, the place of humiliation. So the psalmist is in deep distress. He lies prostrate, crushed, unable to rise. But he can pray that God will revive him. Even in the darkest moment in our life, when we are in despair, when we feel crushed, when we feel defeated, even if this defeat because of spiritual warfare, I feel defeated in my spiritual life. We need to do like David and to call on God to revive us. And we can say, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word, according to your promises in, in, in the word of God. So he can pray that God will revive him and give him new strength and joy in life according to his promises. For the word life is repeatedly promised as the reward of obedience to the law of God. Many verses like Deuteronomy 8.3, Deuteronomy 36, Deuteronomy 3.15, Deuteronomy 30.19 and 20, Deuteronomy 32 and 47, and many other verses. All these verses says, if you obey the word of God, God will give you life, will give you peaceful life, joyful life. Joyful life doesn't mean life free from tribulations, but means joy and peace even in the midst of tribulation. That joyful life in the scripture means. So David told him, God, now my soul clings to the dust, but your word, your promises says you can revive me. I am obedient to your word, so revive me according to your word. Some people say this verse is a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ in the moment of his passion where he carried our sins and accepted to die on our behalf. So as if the Lord, when he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death, and he said to the three disciples, stay here and watch with me, in the same moment, this verse can be applied to the Lord Jesus Christ. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me, which happened on the third day when he rose from the dead. Others believe the speaker here is David. So it can be about David 
and it can be also a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ. When his soul troubled him, literally David sat on the ground and covered himself with dust. Because this was the custom of the people of the East when they go through tribulation. We read this about the righteous Job in Job chapter 1 verse 20 when all these bad news came to him he sat on the ground and put dust on himself. Even his friends when they came, friends of Job, when they came to comfort him they sat with him on the ground and covered themselves with dust. This verse also can be applied to a person who is dead spiritually, dead in trespasses and sins, and in need of the work of grace to revive him. Revival comes from a sense of spiritual need and loneliness. He felt that if God did not intervene, he is alone. He is lonely, no support around him. And true revival in the biblical sense is marked by ashamed awareness of sin. When I am ashamed of my sin and there is urgency to go and confess my sins and make things right, then here I say to the Lord, revive me according to your word. And this awareness of sin or shame awareness of sin is what St. Paul called it in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, godly sorrow. Like when Peter was ashamed of himself when he denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times. That's why St. Augustine says, if we look upon the whole world as one great house, we see that the heavens represent its vaulting, like the roof. The earth, therefore, will be its pavement. And he wishes, therefore, David to be rescued from earthly things when he told him, revive me from this dust. So in a spiritual way, revive me from these earthly things. Because our citizenship in heaven as St. Paul said, our citizenship is in heaven. So to cling to earthly things is the soul's death. But to cling to the heavenly things, which is contrary to the evil, here is a revival, is a resurrection. And actually St. Paul in Colossians chapter 3 verse 1, he, he told us, if you were raised with Christ, set your minds on things above, not on things below. If you are raised with Christ, your mind and your life will be in heaven, not on earth. Then verse 26, I have declared my ways. Declared my ways can be understood either he said that I will follow God all the days of my life, I will be obedient to his commandment, also can be understood as I confessed all my weakness before God. I, I confessed all my sins here. 
I have declared my ways, and you answered me. God will answer us when we confess our sins and we repent, and when we announce or we declare that we will follow the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. Then he told him, teach me your statutes. So confession should be done continually throughout the whole of one's life. Because every day we commit sins. That's why we need to declare our ways and to confess our sins to repent and be forgiven. Also, I declared my ways. The ways here can mean the ways he had to choose and desire to walk in and not to wander from and therefore entreated help and assistance, guidance and direction in them. I declared my way. I want to live according to, to your word. That's why I am asking you to teach me your statutes. Because if you don't teach me your statutes, how can I live according to your word? So my ways may be the sinful ways and actions which he acknowledged and confessed and asked forgiveness, or he confessed fully and freely before God, he poured out his heart before God by way of sincere confession. It is only when one declares all his ways before God, whether his intention to follow God or with his, his weakness, then he can have hope that God will hear him. And you answered me. I have declared my ways and you answered me. David earnest desire of the continuance of that closeness to God. He want to continue to be close to God. Closeness not by visions or not by voices from heaven, but closeness to God through the word of God. Because the word of God is written by the Holy Spirit. If I am close to the word of God, then I am clinging to the Holy Spirit. That's why he said, teach me your statutes or make me understand the way of your precepts, as he mentioned in the following verse. So David being very desirous of advancing in the way of the Lord, he wants to grow in the spiritual life. So he becomes more urgent again in praying to God for light, to enlighten his ways. That's why in verse 7 he told him, Make me understand the way of your precepts, so I shall meditate on your wonderful works. If you don't teach me, how can I meditate? How can I contemplate on your word? Your word is written by the Spirit, so the teacher here is the Holy Spirit, because he is the one who wrote the scripture. Then let the Holy Spirit teach me to make me understand the way of your precepts. And then my response, I will meditate on your wonderful words. So he's asking God to tell him what his commandments mean, how he should walk in the law of God. So I shall meditate on your wonderful words. Those who are in all their ways acknowledge God may pray in faith 
that God will direct their steps in the right way. If you acknowledge God in every single decision and choice in your life, you ask God to direct your steps. St. Augustine said, what is your wonderful works? So St. Augustine said, there are two levels in the commandment of God. So there are higher commandments, like mystery. You cannot actually understand the depth of these higher commandments, that's a wonderful works, unless if God explained to you his precepts. That's what St. Augustine said. These higher commandments, which he desired to understand by edification, higher commandments is the wonderful works, he called them the wondrous things of God. There are since some righteousness of God so wondrous. It's a mystery. That human weakness, we who are weak, may be believed incapable of fulfilling them, even if we try. But we need God to explain them to us. Then, by His grace, I can fulfill these higher commands. For example, many of us who struggle with forgiveness, many of us struggle with reconciliation, many of us struggle with love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. These are higher commands. And sometimes, when we think about these commandments, we say, it doesn't make sense if I forgive and if I turn the other cheek and if I reconcile. People will take advantage of me. People will walk over me. That's why David is saying, make me understand. I know you are right. And if I don't understand, it's my problem, it's not yours. Make me understand the way of your precepts in order to meditate on your wonders, wonderful works, in order I understand why you give me these commandments and I will follow them, I will apply them in my life. Verse 28 My soul melts from heaviness. Soul is heavy, he's sorrowful, strengthen me according to your word. So in verse 25, he said, my soul clings to the dust. 28, my soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. And I want you to notice here, in dealing with all this heaviness and tribulations and hardships and afflictions and persecution, what is the, the medication here? What is the medicine? is looking for. It is the word of God. It is the word of God. He believes and indeed it is true that the word of God can heal us and can strengthen us, can support us in all the challenges that we are facing every day in our life. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word, according to your promises. So the problem surrounding the psalmist made his soul heavy 
as if it would melt. He felt that he had no strength or stability within. The psalmist might have passed through a condition of intense despair and cried out to God to grant him the joyful hope in his divine promises. According to my understanding, there is no hope. But according to your word, you are the hope of the hopeless and you are the help of the helpless. So although my soul melts from heaviness, but I trust your word. And because I trust your word, I'm asking you to strengthen me from according to the promises in your word. Melts like wax, you put it in front of fire. So all these tribulations like fire, and he is melting, and can be also godly sorrow from sin. If we reflect about Peter after denying the Lord Jesus Christ, his soul was melting. He wept bitterly. The repentant soul melts in sorrow for sin. So he is expressing a quiet but continuous grief that slowly wears away the soul. That's why he prayed for strength and that this strength would come both from the word of God, the promises, and according to the word of God. He is asking that God give him strength to meet his constant wearing away. God, I am melting, so please give me strength to stand this fire as you strengthen the three youth in the furnace of fire. Strengthen me. I know about these three youth from the word of God, from the scripture. So as you strengthen them, strengthen me too, according to your word. Because your word is the bread of life, which strengthens man's heart. Like how when we are weak physically, food strengthens our bodies. The word of God is the bread of life. It can give us strength, like Elijah, after God gave him bread. He walked 40 days. And, and Elijah went from strength to strength. These are the stories I learned from the scripture, from your word. So strengthen me as you strengthened Elijah. Strengthen me as you strengthened Daniel. Strengthen me as you strengthened Ezekiel. Verse 29. Remove from me the way of lying. Remove from me the way of lying. And grant me your law graciously. Maybe he was speaking about the sin of lying, but also maybe he is speaking about the falsehood, a false way, a way of apostasy, falling away from God or departure from God. And according to the Septuagint, it is not lying, it is falsehood. But falsehood is lying in a way. All conduct that is not led by God's truth is contrary to the way of faithfulness or of loyalty to God and considered lying. 
Though he has made the great choice to follow God and to live according to his word and set this before him, that the declarations of God's will are the rule of his life. Now he is asking God to keep him away from disloyalty. God, I promised you to walk according to your will. But if you don't protect me, I know I will stray away. That's why I'm asking you to keep the way of lying away from me. Today is the New Year Eve, and most of us will do some resolutions with the New Year. Sometimes we do the resolution trusting our own power, our own strengths, our own abilities. That's why we keep this resolution maybe to the third or the fourth of the month. That's all. But if we rely on God and we ask Him to keep me away from the way of lying, because if I made promise on the new year and then I lived according to the promise three days only, then I'm lying to God. But if I'm telling Him, keep me, be without your grace, I cannot fulfill this resolution. Remove from me the way of lying. Let me loyal to you, honesty to you. So the psalmist may have not been used to lying, but he felt that he was like all people in danger of acting from false views, from wrong motives, or under the influence of deceit. And all these are different forms of lying. So this part, this prayer, remove from me the way of lying, it's a prayer that he might always be sincere and truthful. He prays that the way of Satan, because Satan is a liar and father of every liar. So the way of lying is the way of Satan. So he prays that the way of Satan may be far removed from him and that God would grant him such in-depth knowledge with the way of truth. Teach me the way of truth to prevent me from ever wandering into the path of wrong. Yes, it depends on our choices. Do I choose to walk in the way of truth or in the way of falsehood. But taking into consideration that we are living now in divided and distracted world, many people call the sin righteousness and call the righteousness sin. They say to the light darkness and the darkness light. We are in a time of confusion. That's why even many times our youth, they don't know an adult. They don't know what's right and what's wrong. Should we support homosexuality or not? Should we support transgenderism or not? Should we support divorce or not? Should we support abortion or not? And some churches say it's okay, some churches say not. So it is confusing. We are living in a very confused world very confused world. 
That's why it is difficult in a divided and distracted world to choose correctly. But this choice to choose the way of truth is so important because it determines whether we are true children of God or not. And since it is so important, but it is so difficult, that's why it requires wisdom and guidance from God. That's why we need to say, grant me your law graciously. Grant me your law, guide me, remove from me the way of lying. If we are to be kept from sin, from being confused, it must be by the grace of God, exercised through the teaching of the Word of God. That's why when you make any choice, as St. Anthony the Great said, he said, any choice in your life have a reference for it from the Scripture. What does the Scripture say? What does the scripture say about divorce? What does the scripture say about abortion? What does the scripture say about homosexuality? Etc. This is the word of God. We live according to the word of God. This is how the psalmist was able to choose the way of the truth. He was in close relationship with the word of God. The closer you are to the word of God, and the wind, the word of God went the word of God dwells in you richly, then you will not be confused. You will be able to know and to discern between the right way and the falsehood. In verse 29, he acknowledged his wretchedness. Remove from me the way of lying. And now, starting from verse 30, he tells that what the mercy of God may achieve in him. As if he said, previously I have chosen the path of falsehood, path of lying, but through God's mercy, out of his love, now I have chosen the way of truth. Among all the paths of life, I have chosen the way of truth. And way of truth is Christ. As he said about himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only true way to eternal life, to God the Father. This reminds me with what the Lord said about Mary, Lazarus' sister. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from here. She chose the way of truth. She chose Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. That's why in verse 30 he said, I have chosen the way of truth. Before, maybe I chose the way of falsehood. Now I'm asking you to remove from me the way of lying. Grant me your law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgment I have laid before me. Your law in front of me all the time. I will not make any choice in my life except according to your word, according to your word. In verse 25, he said, My soul clings to the dust. 
In verse 31, he says, I cling to your testimony. So now, what actually will take me from the dust and revive me when I cling to your testimony? I cling to your testimony, O Lord. Do not put me to shame. So in the beginning of this section, he's clinging to the dust, verse 25. But by the end of this section, he's clinging to God's word. In the beginning of this section, he is laid low. I cling to the dust. Now he is joyfully running with all his strengths in the race God's word set before him. As he said in verse 32, I will run. After he was clinging to the dust, now I am running the course of your commandment. I will grow from just hating everybody, I will grow toward loving my friends, then love my enemies. So I am growing, I am running, running the race, running the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. The word of God made his heart big. Now he has a big heart. He can love everybody. He can forgive everybody. He can reconcile with everybody. He can endure everybody. He has a big heart because of the word of God. So you can see the transformation here that the word of God did to him. In the beginning, he's laid low. My soul clings. My soul melts from heaviness. My soul clings to the dust. But now he is joyfully not only standing or walking, but he is running. Running means he's strong. He said, strengthen me according to your testimony. Now I am running with all my strength in the race that God's word set before me. He had obeyed the testimonies of God as if he had been glued to them. I cling as if he's glued to the word of God. As if he, David, and all of us, and the testimonies were firmly united together. Nobody can separate me from the word of God. He had so adhered to them that he could not be detached from them. Nobody can take the word of God from me. The psalmist understood that if he were to give himself entirely to God, how? By clinging to the word. Then he could trust that God would not allow him to be put to shame. That's why he told him, I cling to your testimony, O Lord. Don't put me to shame. I don't be ashamed. I was ashamed when I followed the way of falsehood. But now I am clinging to your word, so don't put me to shame. I will run. So the psalmist has moved in beautiful progression from confessing his sins, I declared all my ways, to choosing, I chose the way of truth, to clinging, I cling to the word of God, to running. You can see here the progression in these verses. I declared my way, confession, I chose the way of truth, choosing, I cling to the word, to your testimony, then I am running, I am running. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart.
He will not be able to walk in the divine way, but even to run, which is expressive of great readiness, of great swiftness in, in, in keeping the word of God, of great delight and pleasure in the word of God. The word of God is not a burden, it's not heavy on him. He comes back to his sense of weakness and dependence on God. I cannot run unless your grace is with me. He must have his heart enlarged, made bigger, stronger, better, and more steadfast. Enlarge my heart, for you shall enlarge my heart. You, it is your grace. I cannot enlarge my heart by myself. I cannot make my heart big. It is your grace. Enlarge my heart means make it free. He will be set free with the knowledge of God, knowledge of his word, his ways, and his love. When you are in a big room, you can walk freely, but if you are in a very tight room, you cannot walk freely. So he's asking that his heart be delivered from the difficulties, from weights and pressures, and everything that may hinder him from running the course of the commandment of God. When our heart is big and we know how to love, we know how to forgive, we know how to reconcile, we know how to endure, we know how to let go, then we can run the course of the commandment of God. But many times when our heart is tight, then I cannot even walk in the commandment of God. To have his heart filled with God's fear, with holy and godly purposes, that is enlarging his heart. I conclude by the words of St. Augustine when he said, I could not run had you, God, not widened my heart. If you don't widen my heart, I cannot run. For this running is along the way of the commandments of God. And because he does allege unto the Lord rather his blessings than his own deserving. So he is pleading to the grace of God, not to my deserving. We know it's not because of our merits, not because we are worthy or deserving, but I'm relying on you. It is not therefore through his own will, but because you have widened my heart. I cannot make my heart big unless God widened my heart for me. The widening of the heart is the delight we take in righteousness. This is the gift of God, the effect of which is that we are not straightened in His commandments. When my heart is widened by the grace of God, then I'm not keeping the commandment of God out of fear of punishment, through the fear of punishment. No. I keep the commandment because I love God and I love others. But widened through the love and the delight we have in righteousness. I am delighted to keep the commandment of God. As St. John said, and we know his commandments are not burdensome. 
If you still feel the commandment of God is burdensome, then your heart is not widened. But when your heart is big, you will be delighted and you will keep the commandment of God. Even the higher commandment, the difficult commandments, you will keep them with joy, with delight, out of love, not out of fear of punishment. I will run the course of your commandments for you shall enlarge my heart. This concludes section 4, we ended by verse 32, section 4 from Psalm 119. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.